But as soon as they put her against my cheek, she stopped crying. And it's gonna make me cry. <laughs> it was just like the coolest thing because it was like she knew me. And it was just like anytime someone kind of moved her from me, she would start screaming. And then they would put her, and I would start talking. And as soon as she heard my voice, she would calm down and she'd be quiet and it was just that was like wow like I'm a mom and she already knows me this is just insane hi I'm Danielle welcome to the birth journeys podcast it is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery it is my hope that through these stories you would find the insight tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. Welcome to the Birth Journeys podcast. I'm Stephanie Miller. Um, you may remember me from telling my story in episode 10, um, but today I am a guest host for Danielle for a change. She gets to be on the other side of the interview. She mm-hmm. shared bits and pieces of her story while us listening to her podcast. We've gotten little bits, but today we get the treat of hearing her birth stories in the entirety, and I am so excited um, Danielle, would you like to formally introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for doing this. This is fun. Um, so I am Danielle. Um, I am 33 years old. I live in Aiken, South Carolina, and I have three living children and I have three babies with Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. and I am currently pregnant with hopefully our fourth living child due in February. So I'm really excited about that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I am a stay at home mom and I am a birth nerd. Um, I love everything about birth. I have been consuming birth knowledge um, since having my second baby in 2019. Um, when I was pregnant with her, I just really just consumed everything there was to know out there, and it just kind of never stopped. Um, and I am an avid podcast listener. Um, so when I felt like I was called into the birth world, um, I considered maybe being a doula or um, getting into birth work, but where I am in the phase of life of still having babies. And being on call just really isn't a reality in in this season Mm -hmm. of life. So I thought, what is an outlet for my passion? And I just was like, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast. I know there's so many good ones out there. Um, But, you know, what's it can't hurt to have another one. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So this is my hobby and my passion. Um, My other little baby. (laughs) So. Um, and I have lots of dreams um, to continue in um, childbirth education and um, hopefully coming up with um, some courses and teachings and that kind of thing in the future. But this is the start. <laughs> love it. So that is, I love it. That is me. 
How does it feel to be on the other side of the interview? Oh, it's it's actually kind of funny because I felt really nervous um, the past <laughs> couple of days leading up to this. Um, and it's funny because whenever mo- like I ask moms if you know, if they'd be interesting in sharing their story, they're like, oh, I would like to, but I'm just, I think I'm just too nervous. I don't think I can. And I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so laid back, which it is, you know, but um, it was funny because then when it was like my turn, I was like, ooh, ooh I feel a little nervous, <laughs> a little nervous to do this. <laughs> so hopefully I do okay with the storytelling side of things. Um, oh, I'm sure you will. <laughs> You're a pro. (laughs) So where did your birth journey start? You want to rewind and kind of start from the beginning? Yeah. So um, I was born in a community, um, a family, where lots and lots of kids was totally normal. And when I say lots, um, I have a couple aunts that have like 12 kids each. And it's just like a normal thing. Um, my grandparents had eight children. Um, well, I think they had, they had nine. One of them passed away when she was a baby. Um, so I have eight living aunts and uncles. And from that eight, um, I have, or I am one of 53 first cousins. Um, so yeah, my grandparents alone left a legacy of 53 first cousins. Um, so, and uh, you know, a lot of us now are married and have our own decent sized families. Um, so to me, um, you know, bigger families were just normal and Mm -hmm. just, you know, that was normal for me in my family, but also in like the church community that I grew up in, um, for the first maybe 10 years of my life. Um, it's just, totally normal to have lots of kids. Um, so I never like had these dreams of like having 12 kids or whatever. I just kind of was like, Oh, you know, maybe, you know, I definitely want kids someday, but I, I was like, Ooh, I don't know about that. I I (laughs) tip my hat to those moms that have all those babies. You guys are rock stars. (laughs) Some days I feel like juggling the three I have is like, Wow. I don't know (laughs) how those mamas do it, but (laughs) they're amazing. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of, I always knew I wanted to be a mom and, um, but it wasn't like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just something I always knew would happen, um, someday. So. Right. That reminds me somewhat of my, my growing up too. I loved the idea of being a mom and just never really second guessed it. And so it sounds like you mm-hmm. kind of grew up that way too. So when did you first get pregnant and tell us the story about that? So, um, my first pregnancy was, um, kind of a surprise. Um, actually the way I found out I was pregnant was really cool. I was sitting, um, in, on my back porch with one of my best friends and, we were just talking and I don't even know how the subject came up about like, she was like, do you think you could be pregnant? And I was like, I don't know, maybe. And, um, she was like, let's take a test. So (laughs) I went and took a test and like, I didn't look at it right away. She's like, we have to wait the three minutes. I was like, okay. So (laughs) we like, I think we went out of the bathroom and left the test on the counter. And then, um, we went in 
And I think, I can't remember if she looked at it first or I think she did. And she was like, oh my goodness. And sure enough, it was positive. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like I could not believe it. Like I didn't believe it. I was like, I don't like, are you sure? Like, are you sure it's right? <laughs> and she was like, yes, it's positive. Look at it. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like I was so excited. Um, but I didn't believe it. So she was like, I have another test at my house. Like, let's run get it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so we went to her house and got the test and I took another one and like, I didn't even have to pee. I think I like chugged. I think I was drinking <laughs> iced coffee or something and I like chugged it and like forced myself to get enough urine out to take another test. <laughs> and sure enough, it was positive again. And I was just so excited. And, um, so for, I think I took even another test the next day. <laughs> like, oh, I wow. just did not believe you it. had to be sure. <sighs> yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, at that time in my life, um, I actually was not in a good marriage. So, um, it was kind of, I was so excited and I couldn't wait to be a mom, but at the same time I was in a scary place, um, with my situation. So <laughs> with how excited I was, there was still kind of like this other stuff going on in the background that was a little bit like, okay, now what type right. of thing? Um, so when I was, I think I was about, was I 10? I think I was 10 weeks. Um, I actually came to the point where I had to make the decision to separate from my then husband. And um, I continued my pregnancy on my own. Um, I moved in with my family, my parents. They were just, they were so excited and um, they are just, they were just so loving and so supportive and wow. so encouraging. And um, so even though I was walking out of a really bad situation, I walked into a really loving and supportive situation awesome. and it, it was the best decision for me, for my life. I knew it was the best decision for my baby. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it, as hard as that season was, she was just like, God just gave her to me as like an answer to so many things. Um, that I didn't even really knew I needed at that yeah. point, but, um, yeah, she was a very welcomed, just joyful surprise that, yeah, changed my life in so many amazing ways. So mm -hmm. that was, he's a blessing to this day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how did your pregnancy go with her? So, um, one of my very first pregnancy symptoms was extreme hunger. Like I was just starving all the time. This was actually before I even knew I was pregnant. Um, I worked in a coffee shop at the time and I went in there one morning, I think I was like picking up my paycheck or something. And I, I, I ordered a breakfast sandwich and, um, I ate it. And after I ate it, like, it felt like I hadn't even eaten. Like my, like my stomach was just growling and I was like, what in the world? So I ordered another one and I ate it. And like, even then I was like, not even really hardly satisfied, but I was like, I'm not eating a third breakfast sandwich. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and yeah, I was just so hungry. And then after I found out I was expecting, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that explains why I'm like eating like a crazy person <laughs> that's never <laughs> eaten before. Um, so that was one thing. Um, but otherwise, like I never got morning sickness. Um, I think I had like food aversions. Like I, there were, I think, um, it was ha hamburger. Like I couldn't eat like, like cheeseburgers or just like anything with like red meat. Like it just mm -hmm. was like, I don't know, like for the first, I think like trimester, it was like, I couldn't really eat red meat. Like even people that know this restaurant are going to like die, but there's a restaurant up in, um, Massachusetts called Gibbet Hill Grill. And it's like, has the most amazing melt in your mouth steaks that you've ever had in your life. Um, and my brother and sister-in-law were getting married and they had their rehearsal dinner there. And I like could not eat my steak. I got oh, it well done because I was nervous about eating like <laughs> a steak right. pregnant. <laughs> and then it was just like, Ugh, like I couldn't barely eat it. And I was, it's so funny. Cause now I'm like, wow, like that's so depressing because <laughs> it's literally the best food ever. But, um, but yeah, so it was like red meat. I couldn't eat for a while. Um, otherwise I didn't have, like, I was so tired. Like I remember just being so tired and working in a coffee shop. A lot of times I would work the morning shift. So it was like 5am until like 11. So I'd have to be there at 4:45. So that on top of like being just so exhausted. I remember that was rough. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I want to, Oh, one of the things that I had my entire pregnancy was extreme motion sickness. Like Ooh. I had to ride in the front seat of the car, my whole pregnancy, which was kind of awkward when I, like, if like, I was going somewhere with my mom and her friend, oh. <laughs> like sitting in the front with like her friend. And <laughs> so that was one thing that, yeah, I, I threw up twice during my pregnancy and both times were from riding in the back seat of the oh, car. Goodness. Wow. So, so that could get unhandy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But otherwise it was weird. Yeah. It was like, I felt totally normal and my belly was just growing. And it was like, you know, before you feel that movement, it's like, am I really pregnant? Like I, like <laughs> it was like so weird because it was almost like I couldn't believe it because I just felt so normal but my belly was slowly growing. And then I finally mm -hmm. felt, felt movement at, um, 19 weeks. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's really a baby in there. <laughs> like, it was so exciting. So yeah. yeah one of my favorite parts of pregnancy is yeah. like when it goes from just an idea to, Hey, I know, no, no, there's a person in there and this is awesome. Mm -hmm. It yeah. just allows you to connect better. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you um, want to share about that pregnancy? Um, oh, yes. I'll share um, about my prenatal care. Um, I did choose to do a hospital birth. Um, honestly, the idea of giving birth at all was absolutely terrifying to me. Mm -hmm. um, I honestly didn't even want to, like, take birth classes or learn about birth or, like, I didn't want to think about a baby coming out of there. Like it was, you know, all I had in my mind was what you see on TV. You know, you oh, see yeah. these women, you know, going into labor, screaming and like being strapped to a bed. And, you know, it just was so terrifying to me, the idea of giving birth. And, um, I think I like pretty much forced myself to take like a birth course. Um, one of my cousin's wives actually 
was the one. She had like a DVD. I think it was called something like Laugh Your Way Through Labor. Or I don't even really remember. <laughs> it was like supposed to be a really like encouraging, positive thing. But like even that, I was like, ugh, like I don't even want to think about it. Like it just was so like, yeah, freaky to me. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I guess is a little bit unique is when I was, let's see, I think I went to the doctor for the first time at 10 weeks mm -hmm. and they did, um, I think they did genetic testing, which I don't ever remember, or maybe it's just the basic blood work. They did something, but, um, then at my second appointment, they told me that I carry, um, the cystic fibrosis gene which oh. that really scared me because I was like, what, like, what does this mean? Like what? And what they told me was, um, basically if I carry the cystic fibrosis gene, like my children have like, uh, I can't remember. I wish I would have looked up the statistic of the percentage. They have a percentage of, um, you know, having cystic fibrosis or carrying the gene as well. And then they said, like, if me and my partner both carry the cystic fibrosis gene, then that raises the um, chances of one of my children um, having cystic fibrosis. Um, and then I had asked, like, I think they, like, said that they encourage, you know, your partner to get checked to see if they carry the gene as well. And I asked, like, well, what, like, what does that do, you know? And they said, well, basically, like, you know, if you're both a carrier, then, you know, you, you may want to, like, terminate a pregnancy. And I was like, what? Like, no. Like, you know, like, even if we had a, like, high chance of our baby having this disease, like, I would never just terminate a pregnancy just because of a possibility. You know, right. it's so crazy. Um, but they did explain to me that right after birth, you know, they do that heel prick Mm -hmm. um, where they send, um, off to the state or wherever they send it to. Um, and that's one of the things that they test for. So even if, you know, one of my kids happened to have the disease, it's something that's, you know, caught right away. Um, but I honestly don't know anything about cystic fibrosis. Cause I was like, you know, what? I'm just not going to let it like the fear of it. Yeah. Cause just knowing that I was a carrier was scary enough. And, mm -hmm. um, but so far, I mean, out of my three babies, none of them have it. So, <laughs> um, and I don't, I mean, I don't know really much about it. I just know I carry the gene. And when I found that out, it was really scary. It's not something I fear anymore. Um, but I can imagine yeah. as a I'm mom, that would be freaky. You don't know what it is. And they're, yes. you know, throwing all these risks and statistics at you right off. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're what you said, 10 weeks. So you're at the very early stages, even and you're emotional and all that. Yeah. Like that's, mm -hmm. I could see that being super scary. Yeah. Um, and then, so also with my, um, prenatal care at that 10 week appointment, she was like, do you want to try to see if we can hear the heartbeat on the Doppler? And I was like, sure. Like, obviously. And she's right. like, it might be too early. And so she like put the thing on my stomach for like probably two seconds. And she was like, oh, nope it's too early. And I was like, oh, no. then that made me worried too. Cause I was like, well, how do we know that there's even anything in there? Like, <laughs> But then we, when I went back at 14 weeks, um, she was able to hear the heartbeat. So then that was so exciting to hear that for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, the doctor or the, I don't know what you call it. The OB that I used, um, that's when I lived in New Hampshire. Um, they actually do like a rotation. So you see a new 
like provider every week and then when you are in labor you just have whoever's on call so oh, wow. that was how it works up there um so you didn't know who you would have um so like going through there were definitely some doctors i didn't like i didn't care for i just felt felt like they were rude or maybe they just didn't have a nice bedside manner or something mm -hmm. um and especially that lady that told me, like, talked about terminating a pregnancy. <laughs> I was like, oh, I sure hope I don't get her. Right. Like, she seems scary. <laughs> but um, otherwise, you know, there were some doctors that were really nice. And um, but yeah, otherwise I didn't. It was just kind of it wasn't like something that I. Um, I, I don't want to say I didn't care about it, but at the same time, it was like I felt like I, it was just that's just what you do. You know, like most of the people I know go to this. OB office, this hospital. And, um, I think my mom even had all of us, well, most of us there. Um, not me. I know I was born at a different hospital, but it was just, you know, that's just what my friends did and mm -hmm. what people did. So that's what I did too. And, um, for the most part, I think, you know, the, the prenatal time was pretty standard. You know, I did everything they said to do. I did all the testing and, you know, the, the GBS and the, um, what's the glucose one? Gestational diabetes. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, I did just everything they said. I think the only one that I had like said I didn't want to do was like the one where they test for like down syndrome and all of that. Cause uh -oh. I was like, that's, that's not going to make a difference. Like even if my baby, you know, had some kind of a chromosomal abnormality, right. like I'm still going to keep it and carry me. it and love it. And mm -hmm. yeah. So um, other than that, it was just a pretty, pretty standard time of care, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't so, know if I'm forgetting anything, but. Well, if it comes back to you, we can always circle back because I remember okay. doing that on my, on my turn. Like, I'm yeah. like oh yeah. <laughs> and with so-and-so, I did do this, you know, I would kind of flash back a little. So if you have to, so be it. Okay. So let's uh, move on to the birth story. Like how many yeah. weeks were you when you went into labor? Yeah. So, um, I went to my due date. I was 40 weeks and I had an appointment and, um, I, my mom was like, you should ask him to strip your membranes. Cause you're, you know, it's your due date. And, um, like maybe that'll help like get things going. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I didn't even know what that was. And she, <laughs> you know, told me to ask. So at that appointment I did ask if um, I could have my membrane stripped and he was like, sure, we can try. And he checked me and I was not even dilated. Um, I think he like tried to like, I don't even, I, I don't know even how they strip your membranes. If it's just like a finger in the cervix and then they sweep to break the the membrane that's attached to the water I, bag, I think, but, um, he like couldn't even get in there. So, um, wow. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. Well that stinks. Um, so then I just went home and nothing happened. And then at, um, I'm trying to think if I almost feel like I had another appointment in between then and when I went into labor, but maybe I didn't. Either way, I know that, um, I was going to be 41 weeks on a Monday and it was Sunday morning. Um, I went to church and during church, I kept feeling like this tightening in my lower abdomen. And I was like, 
hmm, like this is new. I didn't ever like experience Braxton Hicks or anything like that. So, um, I was kind of like, huh, I wonder if this is anything. I didn't say anything to anybody. I just went about my day because it didn't hurt. It just was like it would tighten and then release. And then like a little while later, like they were, they weren't timeable or regular or anything. It was just on and off throughout the day. Um, and I actually, um, have, uh, I actually, when Ellie was born, I, I, did all my birth pictures and, um, wrote her story down in a book. So I'm going to kind of refer to it a little bit just because her story is the most foggy to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, my sister is seven years younger than me and she like had a tight group of friends at that time. And, um, I was 25. So that means she was whatever that is, 25 minus seven, <laughs> like 16, 17, whatever. Um, 18. So she had a group of friends, all these like young teenagers. And, um, I'm like this pregnant lady. And, <laughs> um, like after church, my, we were like decided to try to do all these things to try to like induce labor. So she had her friends over and my mom's like, have them take you down a ride on a bumpy road. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I like hop in the truck with like her, her teenage friends. <laughs> And they take me down like the bumpiest road in our town. And it was so funny. I'm like, it was horrible. So we're like bopping down this bumpy road. I'm like hanging out with these teenagers, like trying to get my labor started. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, but that whole day I tried like different things. I like was squatting and, um, someone at church had told my mom like, Oh, I drink ginger tea and that puts me right into labor, which I have never, ever heard that, but I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to try it. So we went and got ginger and we made the tea and I drank that. Um, we like, we're looking at the pressure point massages, um, online. And so I was having like my sister massage my, like the one on your ankle. And then there was supposed to be one like in, I think it's like in between your thumb and finger. And so we're like doing that. Like we're just like trying all these crazy things um, <laughs> to try to get me like into labor, but obviously nothing worked. Um, but I did just have those, you know, those tightenings on and off throughout the whole day. And, um, then, uh, in the evening, um, I started feeling it a little bit more. So I, I finally told my mom and she was like, Ooh, like maybe you need to go to bed and get rest just in case this is, you know, the start of things. And I was like, okay. So <clears throat> I did, I tried to go to sleep, but I just could not sleep. I, um, you know, they started coming more frequently and, you know, I could tell that they were starting to get a little bit more intense mm -hmm. and, um, I just all night long, I tried to go to sleep and then I'd get another one and they probably, like, I don't really remember, but I, I don't think they were like so painful. I think it was more of like the nervousness and like the expectation that this was mm -hmm. happening and the excitement, like, and the, like, I just think all of that, um, <clears throat> combined was like, oh, like this is happening and I'm, I can't sleep. So I literally all night long, I just like was in bed, like tossing and turning and watching shows on Netflix. And just like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just was like, I think this is it. I don't know, but I can't sleep. So I didn't sleep. And, um, 
at like two in the morning, my mom came down and checked on me and she said, how's it going? And I was like, I can't sleep. I, you know, I keep getting the, the, I guess the contractions. And she was like, well, why don't you try take a bath and see if that like helps you relax or whatever. So I did, I tried that. I went in the bath and I remember it kind of slowed things down for a little while. Um, which now I know, you know, if, if you get in the bath and you slow, it slows things down, usually that's a sign that it's not, you know, not, it's not the, the real not deal. Time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's not the real thing. Yep. And, um, but obviously I didn't know that at that time. And, um, then when I got out of the bath, you know, they kind of picked up and like got more regular again. So, um, then my mom, I think she said like time them, like see how far apart they are. And I don't think I had timed them up to this point. So I did start timing them and they were like five minutes apart. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is like what it's supposed to be. So my mom was like, why don't you call, you know, call the, um, L and D and just see, um, like what they say. So I called and she said, okay, we'll keep timing them. You know, you want them. She said, if they're five minutes apart for, um, I think it was like the five, one, one rule, five <laughs> minutes apart, lasting one minute for one hour. And she said, if, you know, if they are still like at this frequency in an hour, um, you can give us a call back and we can decide then what to do. And I was like, okay. So, um, I did, I kept timing them and they were still coming five minutes apart. So I think it was like four in the morning. We all started getting ready to go to the hospital. Um, I wanted my sister to come, you know, she was younger. Um, but I was like, I wanted her to take pictures for me cause she was kind of like a, you know, she's was into photography and stuff. And, um, so I asked her to be my birth photographer and she said, yes, I don't know how stoked she was about that. <laughs> like this young girl, like going into a labor, but, um, so my mom and my sister were going to be there and we got all ready and we got in the car to go and it was like an ice storm. It was like so cold oh, and no. icy and, um, it was kind of a scary ride. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we went in and that was like at five in the morning. Um, and, um, when I got there, um, they checked me and let's see, I was dilated to, uh, two. So, um, I was kind of like, okay, well that's, you know, at least it's something. something. And I remember the nurse like bringing out the, um, the, it's like a, I don't know what to call it. A, it's like a, a tool that they use to show you like what each dilation looks like. So yes, it's, it was like a, like a board <laughs> yep, and it showed like, you know, one centimeter is this big of a circle all the way up to 10 centimeters. And right. she's like, so you're here and you have to get to here. And I was like. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> uh, you know, and so um I was like, okay. And so they told me um to walk the halls and um to like, you know, do things to kind of encourage labor to continue um and you know get things progressing. And they said that when the doctor came in um that morning, when he came in, I think it was so we got in there at five and they said the doctor would be in at nine AM. Um, it was a Monday morning. So they said, you know, whenever he gets in, we'll have him come check you. But, um, until then, you know, let's just try to get the things moving and, um, you know, get things going. Cause I mean, honestly, probably they should have probably sent me home. Um, 
because I was only two centimeters and I like looking back I feel like my contractions weren't like very regular or intense but to Mm -hmm. me being a first-time mom like I didn't know like you had nothing to compare it to exactly yep so um they did I think the only reason they kept me was because I had a doctor's appointment that day anyways and I was 41 weeks at that point so Mm -hmm. they were probably like you know what instead of sending her back home in the ice you know icy day like we'll just keep her and see what happens and then see what the doctor has to say when he gets in So, um, I did, I walked the halls and, um, every time I had a contraction, I would like squat down and like, like do these little like frog, like squat things. (laughs) And, um, you know, I was trying to like, you know, just get myself, I guess, dilated and get things moving. So, um, I did all of that. And then he finally came in and checked me. So this was like four hours later and I was a three. Oh, no. <laughs> and he was like, well, he's like, since you are 41 weeks, he's like, we're, we'll just keep you and like, you know, we'll, we'll let you labor naturally for a while. And then, you know, if things don't progress, then we'll just get things going. And I was like, okay, cool. So obviously I didn't know anything about like induction or any of that. I was just like, I trust my doctor and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to do what he says and that was that. So that whole day, um, I did lots of walking the halls and squatting and they brought me a birth ball. So I would, you know, rotate on that during contractions. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you're exhausted cause you didn't sleep the night before. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's wow. funny because I don't remember at what point I kept saying this hurts so bad. And I was just like, you know, it was so painful and, um, my mom was like, kept asking the nurses, like, can she get an epidural? And they would not give me one. Like I wanted one so bad. Cause I was just like, no, like it was so painful. And they were like, no, like I wasn't far enough along. So that was wise of them obviously mm-hmm. to say no. Um, but I just was like thinking like, oh my gosh, like, why won't they give me an epidural? Like, this is what you hear about. You go to the hospital and you get your epidural and then <laughs> you have your baby and they won't give me one. Oh, it was horrible. Um, but yeah, so around noontime he came back in. So this was three hours later. I was a four, um, and he decided to break my water. Um, and I remember that was like the weirdest feeling Mm -hmm. like them. He used the little hook and my water came gushing out and it was so warm. (laughs) Just like, it was so (laughs) just such a weird feeling. Um, and then I'm trying to think, I always hear in birth stories how they say once their water broke, labor gets more intense, but I don't remember for myself if that happened. Um, but yeah, I do remember just sitting on the birth ball and I did have some bloody show at that point. Cause I remember getting up and seeing, you know, they had put like Chuck's pad over the, um, the birth ball. And I remember getting up to go to the bathroom or something and there was like blood on it. And it scared me because I didn't like know what that meant or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the nurse came and she's like, Oh yeah, that's good. You know, things are moving. And I was like, okay. So, um, yeah, so I kept, you know, just kind of doing that. Um, I think I tried to like breathe through contractions and all of that stuff, but I know for sure, like I was just like tensing up during the contractions because I was fearful. I was tired. I, you know, I just felt like, so like, you know, I was just so nervous about the whole situation. Um, and yeah, so I just continued to labor like that. Um, 
and let's see my next note. So at three, the doctor came in and he checked me and I was a six. Um, and it's funny because most hospitals, that's when they consider you to be at an active labor is when you reach a six. And I know like some hospitals won't even like keep you or like let you go into labor and delivery until you're a six. So it's kind of interesting, like looking back, like, you know, I technically shouldn't have even been there that whole day. And like, I had already had these interventions and, you know, it's just so funny looking back and knowing what I know now, like, yeah. You know, you can't, you can't like start picking apart your previous births because you can't change them and they're part of your story. But it's, you know, it's sometimes it's kind of hard to look back and be like, oh, like, why did I do that? You know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's funny because I wrote in Ellie's birth book, I should have been dilated more than that since I had already been in labor for around 18 hours. But it's so funny because like, you can't put a time clock on labor and nope. <laughs> you know, just because you've been, and I, I hadn't been in labor for 18 hours. You know, I had been in maybe like early, early, early labor for, you know, that Sunday. Um, but I wouldn't say labor even probably had started until really like that early Monday morning or something. Um, so I probably really was only in labor for, I don't know, I maybe like, since that 5am, you know, so it wasn't like it had been 18 hours. Um, so it's funny looking back, but at that point he said he wanted to put me on Pitocin. So of course, not knowing anything different, you know, they hooked me up and I remember they put the IV in and what, as soon as they started that drip, it was like fire in my veins, like, Mm -hmm. and, and my stomach, it hurt so bad. It was just unbearable. And it was like, you know how when you're in labor, your contractions, you have a break in between, but I didn't have a break. Like I don't ever remember having a break. It was just one on top of the other on top of the other. And it it was like, at that point you, you can't even like, it's almost like you can't do anything to help yourself relax or focus because it's just, you don't get that break that like Mm -hmm. natural, you know, contractions, you know, that come with like natural labor. Um, so yeah, it was just, that's, you know, the, I mean, the cascade of interventions already started, you know, when I let him break my water, but then that happened. So of course the next thing that always happens is baby's heart rate starts to drop. Um, so she started having D cells and I remember at one point they totally lost her heart rate on the monitor. And I honestly think that the monitor like slipped on my belly. Like, I don't think that her heart stopped. (laughs) Obviously she is alive, but like, I remember it was so scary. All these nurses rushed into my room. They're telling me to flip on my hands and knees and, you know, they're trying to find her heartbeat. And it was so scary. Like uh-huh. It was horrible. And, you know, my mom had a really traumatic birth with me. So for her, that was just like triggering, you know, like she was mm-hmm. just flashback to, you know, my birth story. But, um, yeah, so that was really scary and it was just, it was awful. And, you know, finally, um, the doctor thought maybe the cord was around her neck because her heart rate kept dropping and he did an ultrasound and he said, no, it's not. And, um, then he's like, you know, what? it's probably from the Pitocin. And now knowing what I know now, it's like, uh, duh, yeah, it, was. <laughs> <laughs> it was from the Pitocin. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think, I don't think I made it past a six. I'm looking back in my book. Um, yeah, so it was just like her heart kept deselling and and everything. And 
you know, I was still like a six. And it's funny. I remember at one point the nurse asked if I like, let me know if you feel any pressure. And I didn't know what that meant. I do now, but like then I didn't know. And I remember being like, oh, I think I feel some pressure. And I was like, I think I feel something. And she's like, okay. So she checked me and she goes, oh, you actually might be an eight. And then she had someone else come and check me and they're like, oh no, she's like a five. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so then that was a bummer. Um, but then it just, it all, it was awful. It, the, the contractions were on top of each other. I was in so much pain. Her heart kept dropping and the doctor came in and he said, so what do you want to do? He said, you can keep going or we can end this right now. And you know, you can have a C-section. And at that point I was like, I want it over. Like I'm mm -hmm. done. I I'm so done. So I, um, I looked at my mom and I was started crying and I said, I just want it to be over. And she said, okay. And and I was like, I want the C-section. And the doctor clapped his hands together and said, okay, let's do this. And it's so funny. Like now looking back, that's so cringy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, at that time I was like, you know, I was just so relieved, like, Oh, it's going to be over. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and so they, I think at that point they turned down the Pitocin and they finally gave me something for the pain. And I just fell asleep. I think I only slept for like 10 minutes, but it was like the deepest, most restful sleep I've ever had in my life. And my sister said I was snoring and like just out and, um, like, you know, all the, the surgical nurses and like those people were all coming in and asking me all these questions. And I'm like, at this point now I've had drugs and I just felt like I was in like another dimension, like an, like an outer body experience. It was so weird. Like I remember looking at my sister and being like, can you believe this is real? Like, can you believe it? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just so weird, like such a weird feeling. But, um, so anyways, I, yeah. So then I was doing all the paperwork and I remember the guy like asking me like, do you have any tattoos? And like, do you have any piercing? Like all these weird questions that I'm like, why do you need to know this? This is so bizarre. And I still don't really know why they need to know that. But, um, so I filled out all the forms and the paperwork and whatever, and they carted me off to the OR and they let my mom come in with me and she took the camera, my sister's camera, cause you know, she was my birth photographer and, um, we got to the OR and, you know, they sat me up and they gave me my, I don't know if they gave me an epidural or a spinal, whatever it is that they give you. Um, and they, you know, once I was numb, they laid me down and they said, okay, your baby's going to be here in 10 minutes. And I was like, okay. Um, and I remember them doing like the poke test and I didn't feel anything. And then, um, I remember like them explaining, like, you're going to feel pressure, like, blah, blah. and I remember like, like I could feel the pressure. I couldn't feel like the, obviously the actual cuts or like pain. It was just like, I could feel them tugging and pulling and whatever. And, um, then I remember them picking her up and lifting her over the curtain and she was mad. She just <laughs> screamed, just bloody murder. She was not happy. And, um, I mean, it was like the best sound because there's Absolutely. your baby and they're okay, you know? And, um, it was just like, it was such a weird, surreal experience. I think just from being so exhausted and then having like drugs in my system, it felt just like, I can't even explain it. It was almost like, I don't know, just fuzzy. <laughs> like, it's just so weird. Um, but they, um, you know, they 
wrapped her up and they brought her over to me cheek to cheek. And I remember just the whole time she was just screaming. (laughs) But as soon as they put her against my cheek, she stopped crying. And it's going to make me cry. (laughs) But um, it was just like the coolest thing because it was like she knew me. And um, it was just like, you know, and any time someone like kind of moved her from me, she would start screaming and then like they would put her and I would start talking. And as soon as she heard my voice, she would calm down and she'd be quiet. And it was just like, that was like, wow, like I'm a Mm -hmm. mom and like, she already like knows me. Like this is just insane. Um, but it's actually cool because my, the hospital that I went to, they do, um, immediate or not immediate, but they do skin to skin in the OR. So even though they took her and wrapped her up and everything and put us cheek to cheek, as soon as I was all stitched up, they put her right on my chest. Um, Oh, one thing I remember was (laughs) the doctor came over and he pulled, it was like right after she was born, he pulled her hat off and he goes, look, mom, I have a cone head. (laughs) And I was like mortified because I didn't know what that meant. And I was like, Oh, my baby has a cone head. I'm like, now I know like <laughs> baby's heads are like pliable. And that's sometimes what can happen if they're in the birth canal for too long. But I remember like thinking like, oh my gosh, is my baby's head stuck like that? It was horrible. Aww. Oh my gosh. But anyways, they wheeled me um, back to my room, put her on my chest and wheeled me back to my room. And um, then, you know, we just started our postpartum. Um, it's so funny because we were in the room or the recovery room and she was on my chest and, you know, the nurse was standing there. I don't know what she was doing, taking, doing charting or something. And I saw Ellie start rooting, like, you know, wanting to nurse and we hadn't nursed yet. And I remember, look, I asked the nurse, I'm like, oh, like, I think she wants to eat. Can I nurse her? (laughs) And it was so funny because I like had to ask permission. (laughs) Like, can I, can I, can I feed her? And she was like, oh yeah, go ahead. And she, you know, she helped me with breastfeeding and thankfully Ellie latched right on and she was a great nurser, like right away. She, um, yeah, she got the hang of it right away. We did have to like do a football hold for a little while because of my C-section, like the um, like the incision and stuff. But, um, as soon as that was healed up, I was able to like transition to like, you know, holding her across my body. But, um, but yeah, she was a great nurser. And, um, from day one, she, and it's funny because she actually has a really strong lip tie, but that never affected our nursing. Like even to this day, she has it, but, um, that never affected, um, the way that she nursed or anything. And, um, yeah, so that, that was that. I don't, I remember being really weepy, like, um, a couple days after I had her, I just cry and cry and cry. Um, like definitely some baby blues. Mm -hmm. I don't think I had any like postpartum depression or anything. Um, you know, there was a lot going on in my life at that time. So it was, you know, like, I don't remember anything really that time. I was just like, it was hard for me anyways. Like I was healing, um, emotionally from, you know, just years of, you know, bad stuff. And so it was like a, a journey of, um, you know, healing my mind and then also becoming Mm -hmm. a mom. And, 
Yeah, it was just, she was just the best mm-hmm. thing. It was just, I got to just snuggle and I, I lived with my parents. So it was my mom when I'm in postpartum, she is oh. amazing and she waits on me hand and foot. And so she just took such good care of me, you know, the whole time I was adjusting to motherhood and they were just so supportive and amazing. And it was just such a special time, like, you know, just getting to bond with my baby and, you know, seeing my parents become grandparents was so special. And Ellie still to this day has a super, super close relationship oh, that's with them. Precious. Um, Would that have been their first grandchild? Yeah, so, yep. Yep. Oh, wow. She was. So she got the special yeah. treatment. <laughs> uh huh. Totally. Awesome. Yeah. Um, did you have any, yeah, but my C-section, oh, that's what I was going to ask oh, sorry, you about. Did like your C-section healing, how did that all go? Yeah. My C-section actually, I had a great recovery. Like, you know, I hear these horrible C-section stories and I honestly can't relate because my, I just feel like my, my recovery was great. Like I was up walking the next day. Like I had the surgery and then the next, she was born at 8 42 PM. And the next morning I woke up and, um, we, I had to pee and I got up out of bed and I walked myself to the bathroom and, you know, it was, you know, they, they encourage you to walk as not a ton, but you know, little Mm -hmm. by little, I did take the painkillers. Like, you know, they sent a bottle of painkillers and I think I even got a second bottle, which it's funny because I would never do that now. (laughs) But then, you know, I just was like being a wimp. I didn't want to feel any pain. So I just stayed on top of my pain meds. Um, and yeah, I, I had a great recovery. I don't, nothing physically bothered me. Um, I did, deal with, um, like constipation after having her. Like, I don't think I went to the bathroom for like a week. And it's funny. Cause I just heard another story where the same thing happened. And it's totally, I think related to all the drugs yeah. that they give you like in epidurals and, you know, like the pain meds and all of that definitely constipates yes. you. So if you can avoid taking any of that stuff, don't take it. <laughs> or at least supplement um, with something and I didn't, that will yes. aid in digestion. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah, which I didn't know. <laughs> so I remember like the first time having like actually having to go to the bathroom after having her. It was so Oof. painful. And like then I had the hemorrhoids and all that fun stuff. And yeah, so that wasn't fun. But otherwise my recovery was good physically. I didn't I didn't have any issues. My scar healed great. Um, but there was this like weird lingering feeling that I couldn't put my finger on until years later, but like, I just felt this sadness, um, about my birth and I didn't know what it was or why I had it. Um, but there was definitely something that I couldn't put my finger on that just made me feel so sad about my birth. And, um, I don't know, like, I think it was like, I think it was, even though I didn't really prepare for a certain kind of birth and I just kind of like wanted to trust doctors and nurses and not like, I pretty much wanted them to tell me what to do and be like, okay, cool. And, you know, go with it. Um, I still like felt like I mourned a vaginal birth, Mm -hmm. even though it was almost like I didn't even really want to have one, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, so I did have that, you know, for a couple of years that I just felt that weird. Like every time I thought about her birth, I just had that like little sting of like something mm-hmm. like I couldn't put my finger on, but um, it's funny. Cause after I had her, 
I remember thinking like, man, like I want to do something in the birth world. And I was like so new to the birth world. I had just had a baby and I wasn't even that interested in birth. But I remember even like Googling, like what are some things you can do in like the birth world without like having to go to college? Because oh, yeah. I was like, I ain't going to college. <laughs> I'm not going to become like a nurse. <laughs> And I, I found um, doulas and I had never heard of a doula. I didn't know what that was. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So it's funny because I always kind of put that in the back of my head and it's not something I actually looked more into until the past couple of years. But yeah, so I think my, my, my birth passion, that was the very first little spark. Um, and it didn't actually ignite until, you know, a couple of years ago, but that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, God so was that... planting those seeds even back then. Yeah. You didn't think you were. Yeah. And I even, it, but he was like, no, you, you have a calling in this. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I even look back to my C-section and I'm like, man, like, that's cool that I went through that because now I can yeah. relate to other C-section moms. Not really, you know, not in the sense of like, you know, really traumatic like emergency cesareans, but like, you know, I had a C-section too. So, you know, that's just one part of my journey yeah. that I'm thankful for. And, um, yeah, I think if I hadn't had that experience, I don't know if it would have, you know, really spurred me on to, to do mm-hmm. the things and feel the way I feel about birth yeah, now. That's so true. yeah, I'm really thankful for that experience. Well, there, is there anything else you want to share about the postpartum with Ellie? Or do you want to move on to the next baby? No, I think I think I covered everything. Of course, later I'll be like, oh, I wish I said <laughs> all these other things. But well, the thing you have that um, the rest of us didn't is you have follow up podcasts, so you can always throw it in somewhere yes, else. <laughs> that is that's very true. Yep. So now I'll just move on. Um, so I met Scott when Ellie was see I think she had just turned three and that's my husband and um we fell in love like one weekend (laughs) we met online and we um we met you know we started our relationship over texting and um we just yeah we met in January in person for the first time end of January beginning of February um of 2000 uh, let's see 17 and we were engaged in June and married in September. So from the time we met to the time we got married was about nine That's months. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, or the time we started dating to the time we got married um, was nine months. And um, I wanted more babies now. <laughs> <laughs> like Ellie, Ellie was three. I always wanted babies close together. So I was hoping and praying for a honeymoon baby and, um, you know, Scott and I, you know, when we were dating, I told him, you know, I want lots of babies and I want them now. And he was like, yep, I'm on board. <laughs> and I'm like, sweet. Let, you know. So, um, you know, we got married and I didn't know too much about my body or my cycle at that point. But, um, so we just kind of, we didn't do anything to prevent. Um, I don't, um, I don't feel comfortable taking any sort of hormonal birth control myself. Um, so we just were like, well, we'll just, you know, see what happens. And that's what we did. Um, I think it was in January. So we had been married about, let's see, September, about four months. I was like, okay, I think we need to actually start trying because it's clearly not happening. Um, so I started really diving into learning my cycle and my body and wow, I cannot believe I didn't know anything about my body and my cycle. Um, that is something that 
since going on this journey of learning, um, I have decided that once my kids are old enough, that's something I'm going to very in-depth teach them about because I was, what, 29? And I didn't know anything about when I ovulated. I didn't know anything about what it meant, like, to have these certain things and changes within your body throughout the cycle. Um, you know, I didn't even really know what a period was. I knew I you know, you bleed every month, but like, I didn't know that it was like the shedding of your lining. And like, I didn't know any of that. Um, so I really just started researching more about, you know, like fertility and, um, you know, how do you get pregnant and, you know, what has to happen in order to get pregnant? You know, there's such a lie of like, oh, you know, you can get pregnant at any time. And it's not true. You really have like one day a month that you can get pregnant. Um, and so that's when I really started learning about all of that. And, um, I was just starting to learn about, um, like BBT charting, basal body temperature charting. And it was my first time doing it. And I think I actually started like, it must've been the end of my cycle because I only chart, like took my temperature for a few days, like maybe like a week or something. And, I saw like a really big temperature spike and I was like, okay, so I wonder if that means I ovulated, but then I just had this weird feeling. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a test and it popped positive oh, right wow. away. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm pregnant. And like that, this was kind of like our first like month really like trying. Um, and so I was like, oh my gosh, I was so excited. Um, when Scott got home from work, I, you know, I went to target and I bought a card and with the test in it. And, you know, we were so excited and, um, we were, um, you know, planning to have a baby and we were so excited. And, um, you know, we told everyone pretty much right away. I was like, I don't think I was only like six weeks and we announced it and we told Ellie and we told our families and, you know, we were just could not wait. And, um, at eight weeks, um, so now I live in South Carolina and, in their hospital system, they do an ultrasound at eight weeks as standard practice. So I made that appointment and, um, I went in and they started the ultrasound and it's so weird because that day, you know, it was supposed to be such an exciting day going in and having ultrasound and, you know, seeing your babies. And I, um, I remember just having this feeling and I remember exactly what I was wearing. I remember it was rainy and I remember like even looking out the window of the car and it was, I can still just see the raindrops on the window. And I just had like this, the something said, you're going to remember this day for the rest of your mm. life. And it wasn't like a, a good feeling. Mm. And I just kind of brushed it off and was like, whatever. So we went in and, you know, we got into the ultrasound room and, the tech started and you know, those ultrasounds are just terrible because you know, they don't say, even if it's good, like they don't right. say anything. So you're just kind of like hanging on with pins and needles. Like you don't know what's going on. And, um, she was doing it and then she said, um, hang on, I'll be right back. And I, my heart just sunk and I just knew something was wrong. And, um, I even like started crying and I just, I told Scott, I'm like, something's wrong. And he's like, you don't know that. Like, it's fine. Everything's fine. And I, so I kind of like, you know, sucked it up and 
the tech came back in and so did the doctor who I had never met. Um, I had never met my doctor before because this was my first appointment and you have your ultrasound and then you meet your doctor. Um, so this woman comes in and she's just in scrubs. So she doesn't look like a doctor. I have no clue who this person is. And, um, she comes in and she, um, sits down at the computer and she turns the screen towards me and she points to a baby and she says, see this, this is your baby. And she said, and right here is where we should see a heartbeat. And she said, but we don't see that. And, um, so I just completely just lost it. Um, immediately I knew what that meant. Obviously there was no heartbeat. And, um, this woman who I, again, I don't know who she is. She immediately just, um, like wheels the little chair that she was sitting on over and she just grabs my ankles. Cause you know, I'm sitting with my legs up and you know, awkward. Um, she grabs my ankles and she just looks at me and she says, I'm so sorry. And she, um, she said, this is nothing that you did. She said, you are, you are not <laughs> to blame. This just happens. And she just went right into like mama bear comfort mode and like, just okay. totally like was just trying to support me and comfort me. And, um, and you know, after, I don't know how long we were even in there, but, um, when it was all done, you know, I had to get dressed again and I'm just a Aww. mess, like completely falling apart. Um, and, you know, they bring us into a exam room and we wait and then she comes in and she introduces herself as my doctor. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> well, that makes sense. Why, why this woman was in there. Um, and so obviously I'm still just a wreck. I'm just, you know, hysterical. And, you know, she's, um, I think they even did like a pap, which at that point it's like, what a dumb time <laughs> to like be doing a pap. Like, you know, they're just like, things are just being done to me. Like, and I'm just, in zombie mode. Like mm -hmm. I don't even, you know, like I'm just on autopilot. And, um, so then she explains to me that, um, you know, it was not, again, she reassures me it was nothing I did that, you know, miscarriage is really common. This is what's called a missed miscarriage where your baby stops growing in, and right. your body doesn't really realize it until right. later. Um, and so, like if you didn't have an ultrasound, eventually you would just start bleeding. But, you know, since I had an ultrasound, they could, de they detected it early. Um, and then she explained to me, she said, um, I, she said, I, I wasn't sure if I should say this, but she said, I just feel like I have to tell you, um, that on the ultrasound, there was a second fetal pole. And she said, so, um, that baby also had no heartbeat. And, um, so uh, like, at that moment I find out, oh my gosh, like I was pregnant with twins. Like I had no idea. And so that was like another just shock, like, you know, cause I always wanted twins. It was something that I always like was in my heart. Like I just thought it would be so cool to be a twin mom and you know, all this stuff. And so here I am, you know, finding out I, wow. I just lost twins. And, um, she explained to me that my options were I could do a DNC, which is, um, like a surgery where they just scrape out your uterus. I could wait, um, and wait for my body to catch on that it's no longer pregnant and, you know, wait for the miscarriage to start naturally. And she told me that that could take about up to four weeks. And then the other option was to take, um, like some kind of medication to basically induce a miscarriage. And 
you know, my head is spinning. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And she told me, don't worry. You don't have to decide right now. Like you can think about it and, you know, get back to me. You can decide. But she did say that she was going to schedule another ultrasound for a week out just to make sure that my dates weren't wrong. And just to see, like, I'll come back in a week. And if they're, you know, she's like, maybe your dates are wrong and you could come back and there'd be a heartbeat. She's like, I just want to make sure before we do anything that, you know, we confirm that this is absolutely, you know, a miscarriage. And, um, so I agreed and everything. Um, so I went home and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. So I started asking around, um, just like people in my life that I knew had had miscarriages. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And, um, a few people encouraged me to go ahead with the DNC and they, the re- their reason was ki- kind of like, you know, then, you know, like all the tissue is out, you know, cause sometimes with a marriage, a marriage, a miscarriage, some tissue can be retained and that then you might end up with a DNC anyways. And, you know, and, um, one of my friends miscarried triplets and she, um, I think she did the medication and she ended up hemorrhaging and she said it was just horrible. She's like, I would not ever recommend anyone do the medication. She said, I wish I had just done the DNC. And so with that, I, I decided to make that choice and we scheduled the surgery for, I think like the following Wednesday. And it was just kind of weird because once I knew that my babies didn't have heartbeats, it was like, I just wanted them out of me. I wanted to be like done being pregnant. Like, you know, I had a little belly, like a little bump. And even though I was early, I just show really, really early. And, um, it was just like, I don't know what it was like, I just was like, ugh, I just want this over, you know, it was just felt like such a heavy burden to carry babies that, you know, weren't alive inside of me for too, too longer than I had to. Um, so that's what I did. We did do an ultrasound to confirm there was no heartbeats and I scheduled the surgery and we went in for the procedure and it was really easy. You know, they put me under, it was about 15 minutes. I mean, it obviously felt longer to me cause I was sleeping, but then the recovery was fine, a little bit of bleeding and, um, yeah, it was just a quick, easy thing. Um, looking back now and, um, I, I regret that decision. I wish that I had not gone the DNC route just because later on, I just felt like this, like pain that like my babies were scraped out of my body. This is kind of graphic. My babies were like scraped out of my body and like thrown into like a bio waste bin. And like, to me, that just felt so cold and barbaric and just like, ugh. and like, I even told Scott that and he was like, babe, like, you know, their souls are with like in heaven, you know, that's just, that was just their bodies. And I was like, I know, but still like, I wish that I had had the chance to, to like bury them or something. Like it just felt like it would be more of like a dignifying thing to be able to, you know, bury your babies. But, um, you know, I I could see that would add a level of closure to like, like if you just go in for a procedure and you come out like, and you have nothing to show, you know what I mean? Like with a, with a miscarriage, a natural miscarriage at home where you can, you know, possibly see an embryo or something like there's a little bit of closure there even though it's really hard and and sad and difficult Mm -hmm. there would be a little bit of closure there with that so I could definitely 
like see the pros and cons to both, I'm sure. Yeah. And I do have, I do know that some women have very traumatic, like miscarriage, they, you know, they've had multiple and it's so traumatic for them that it's easier for them to just go have the surgery. And if that's, you know, they're the best thing that's best for them, then I think that should be the option that they choose. Um, you know, I would never judge someone for choosing that option. Um, I just know for myself personally, that was just kind of my thoughts and kind of my guilt later on. Um, but you know, it, it's, I guess what I thought I needed at the time and, um, I can't, you know, go back and change it and dwell on it and be guilty. So, you know, I just have to take comfort in knowing that, you know, it was their bodies and, you know, they were so little, I probably wouldn't have actually found a baby that small, like it, like in a natural miscarriage. Um, maybe I would have seen something, but you know, you just never know. So it's not something that I can, you know, dwell on, but, um, right. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that happened. And, um, then we had to announce that we had lost babies and, you know, we had, um, an amazing, encouraging support system and, then out of the woodwork, I found out that so many of my friends had had miscarriages that I didn't even know about and how common it was. And, you know, I had kind of joined this tribe of women that had all gone through the same thing. And, um, you know, as, as much as it's horrible and, and everything, it's, it's so comforting to know that there are other people that have gone through it. And as hard as it was to walk through that season, um, of just grief and anger and pain, um, when I finally came out the other side, I, I have seen how God has used it for good because I now feel like I'm able to relate to other women that have gone through the same thing or are going through the same thing. So it's something that I have definitely seen God's glory on the other side. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. And that's going to wrap up part one of my birth stories. Be on the lookout for part two coming next week. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast, and you can connect with us on social media at Birth Journeys Podcast. For more information or to share your own story, please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire. See you next time.